This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, your host from Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And this edition of Ringler Radio is coming to you from the sunny confines of Newport Beach, California. That's where we're having Ringler Associates' annual meeting in 2009. And uh, it's a lot sunnier than it was in New England when I left. Well, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 54 million Americans personally experience some form of disability. That's roughly one in six people in the U.S., This group is three times more likely to live below the poverty level, and their average income is about half that of people without disabilities. Well, why such a disparity, and what can be done about this, and really how can structured settlements help? Well, those are our questions today, and here to provide some answers is our special guest, Attorney Andrew Imperato. Andy is the president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, The AAPD is the largest national nonprofit cross-disability member organization in the United States. And uh, I might add that Andy was the keynote speaker this morning at our annual conference and yesterday at our Ringler Golf Tournament. For the first time, we held it for the benefit of AAPD, and that was a real, real treat. And uh, Andy, you didn't win that tournament, did you? (laughs) I didn't, but we're very grateful. (laughs) I thought they were going to set it up for you to win. That would have been great. (laughs) But you did uh, receive a nice uh, award this morning, didn't you? We received money, which is even better, an $8,000 check from wow. Ringler, which we really appreciate. Well, that's terrific. Uh, I didn't realize I was donating to it, but that's great, great news. Andy, tell us more about the AAPD and its mission. Sure. We were founded on the fifth anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and our mission is to organize the disability community defined broadly so that we have more power politically, socially, and economically. I think people were inspired by the Americans with Disabilities Act, what we were able to create working together across all of our disability categories, and they wanted an organization that would bring this community together on a regular basis so that we could accomplish more big things like the ADA. And that was a huge, uh, a huge uh, success. But there's a very personal side to your passion for your organization. Tell us about that. Sure. I graduated law school in 1990, the year that the ADA was enacted, and I'm one of a generation of professionals who've benefited from the law. I personally have bipolar disorder and manic depression, and working in the disability field, I came to see my disability as a source of strength and identity, not something that I needed to be ashamed of. And I think that's one of the messages that we really try to promote as a movement and at AAPD that disability is a natural part of the human experience and that it doesn't need to equate to something negative. It, it can give you insights. It can give you resilience. It can give you the capacity to connect with other people. And it really is what you make of it as a person with a disability. So at APD, we do programs around leadership development, mentoring, public policy advocacy, voter registration, voter turnout. 
And really what we're trying to do is make this constituency more visible and more powerful as a voting block and as an aggregated market. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Andy. My mother had uh, that same bipolar years ago, and she could have really used the help of uh, the AAPD if it, if it had been in existence at the time. Well, with the new year, there have been some big changes that we should know about. Let's start with the ADA Amendments Act that took effect on January 1st. What does this mean for anyone with disabilities? Yeah, this was a very high legislative priority for my organization, and we were delighted that we were able to get it passed in the last Congress. Back, starting back in 1999, the U.S. Supreme Court, through a series of decisions, made it harder and harder for people to qualify as a person with a disability for purposes of the ADA. And what they were basically saying is if you were managing your condition well, either with medication or one case involved somebody who wore eyeglasses, could be somebody with a prosthetic leg, anything you were doing to manage the symptoms of your condition, uh, that was being used against people on the issue of whether they had a disability. And, you know, if you don't meet that statutory definition of a disability, then you never reach the issue of whether you were discriminated against. So this was happening in a lot of employment cases, people with epilepsy, diabetes, depression, bipolar disorder, cancer. They encountered discrimination in the workplace. They tried to challenge it. The employer used the fact that they were managing their condition well to say that they didn't have civil rights in the workplace. And that was not what Congress intended when they passed the ADA. We built a very broad coalition to fix the problems that we were having in the courts. We negotiated it with the employer community, so we had the support of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Society for Human Resource Management and other large employer groups, and we were able to get it through the last Congress with overwhelming bipartisan support. In the House, we had a vote of 403 to 17, wow. which doesn't happen a lot with civil rights laws. Not at all, not at all. Any chance the Supreme Court could uh, wrongly narrow the ADA again? Well, we tried hard in the legislation to be very clear to the court and how we wanted the definition interpreted. There's always a chance that an activist court is going to take the law in the wrong direction, but it would be much more difficult to do that under this amendment than it was under the original statute. Well, there's also the fact of the matter that there's a new president, Barack Obama, who says he wants to empower people with disabilities. Well, here's a quote from President Obama about his plan. We also have work to do here at home. First, we must provide Americans with disabilities the educational opportunities they deserve, which is why I support full funding of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and expanding college opportunities for students with disabilities. Second, we must end workplace discrimination, something I've fought against as a former civil rights lawyer. I strongly support the ADA Restoration Act to overturn those Supreme Court decisions that wrongly narrowed the ADA. Moreover, if we're serious about bringing more Americans with disabilities into the workplace, we need to sign universal health care into law, which is what I'll do by the end of my first term. And with the growing number of veterans returning with combat stress disorders and traumatic brain injuries, we should ensure that we are providing the resources to address these conditions. Finally, we must support independent, community-based living for everyone who chooses it. That's why I'm proud to support the Community Choice and Class Acts, and it's why I will expand access to assistive technology as president. Together, we can build a world that's just and inclusive for all. Thank you. Well, Andy, do you think President Obama will put his presidential power behind the campaign promise? 
Well, if the stimulus package is any indicator of his priorities, I think he will. If you look at the stimulus bill that came out of the House, there is a lot in that bill that provided increased support. One of the things he mentioned in his platform was funding for special education. When Congress passed the special education law back in 1975, they said that the federal government would pay 40% of the cost of educating children with disabilities. Right now, we're paying around 13% of those costs. In this stimulus bill that passed the House, there's a $14 billion increase in federal spending on special education, which is a significant increase and a down payment on getting up to that 40% level. There's also increases in funding for Medicaid, which is very important right now with a lot of states that are cutting back on their Medicaid programs. There's increases in funding for vocational rehabilitation, for independent living, uh, for supplemental security income recipients. So, um, you know, we take that as a very positive sign. That was negotiated between the Obama administration and the leadership in the House. There's a lot of monkey business going on in the Senate right now, so we don't know if we're going to be able to keep all of that. But we taught, we took that as a very positive sign that disability issues were on the radar screen of the White House, and they were seizing the opportunity, the stimulus package, to try to move the ball forward. Well, I know there's a lot in that plan, but do you, do you think it's enough? Do you think what he's put forth is enough, or was it, or was it essentially a watered-down version to get what, you, what was realistically possible? Are you talking about his overall agenda or what's in the stimulus bill? Yeah, what's in the stimulus bill? You know, I think it's a great down payment for our community. You know, the challenges that people with disabilities face around employment, around moving out of poverty, around the accessibility of of the built environment, they're big challenges. They're not things that change overnight. But I think uh, President Obama has a good vision for our community. Vice President Biden has a good vision for our community. And Talk a good... about their overall plan. What is their overall vision of? Well, and and you know, President, as as a candidate, that that um, that sound you had from his campaign was what he announced as a candidate. And I think he had four kind of pillars to his agenda. One is around education. One is around employment. One is around civil rights and one is around community living. And those are the right pillars. Uh, you can do a lot with, the, with those pillars in terms of moving the ball forward for our community. I think the biggest challenge that we face is the big programs that are spending money on people with disabilities, which are supplemental security income, social security, disability insurance, Medicaid, and Medicare. They were all designed at a time where we had lower expectations for people with disabilities. We didn't expect them to participate fully in the workforce. We didn't expect them to have be full participants in the lives of their communities. And maybe live as long. Right. So we have things like an institutional bias in the Medicaid program where we, we tell the states, if you're going to participate in Medicaid, you have to provide long-term care in nursing homes and other institutions, but you don't have to provide home and community-based supports, even though the vast majority of people who need those supports would rather get them right, home, be home yeah. whether they're over 65 or under 65. So I think those are going to be the big challenges. How does... Uh, the, the Obama administration used their mandate from the election, used the, the bully pulpit to educate society that as we do entitlement reform, how do we modernize these programs so that they're more consistent with the goals of the Americans with Disabilities Act? Well, isn't, aren't you faced with another uh, interesting dilemma here? And that is that a lot of these campaign issues that were talked about by o- President Obama now are colored by the economic climate we're in. No right question. And, no question. And to some extent, the priorities of states, the priorities of the government in trying to bring some of these things about sometimes get backseat 
to uh, stimulus for jobs and things like that. You're, you're going to be facing that, I, I, I'm sure. I think that's exactly right. And that's why it was so important to us to have some of this agenda play out in the context of the stimulus. Um, because again, that's where the attention is. We had a similar thing happen in the Bush administration. President Bush had a, what he called his new freedom initiative for people with disabilities that had a number of good components to it. But uh, after 9-11, the attention of the country went in other directions. We started spending a lot of money on homeland security, and you got involved with Iraq and Afghanistan. And the ability to spend money to move forward with that agenda or to just get the president's attention focused on the agenda was difficult. And I think with the Obama administration, until we really start to make some headway in this economic crisis, it is going to be hard to get a lot of attention on disability issues. Well, do you have... Uh any ideas about other action that's needed to help empower the disabled as we move forward? Well, one of the things he mentioned in, the, in that clip that you played um, was his support for the Community Choice Act. This has been a very high priority for the disability community for a long time. That would address that institutional bias in the Medicaid program that I talked about. Um, and it basically says, if you have the level of disability where you would be eligible for care in a nursing home, you should be able to choose to get that care outside of a nursing home. That would make a huge difference for our community. And that's a bill that has the support of Senator Kennedy, who's the chair of the committee that oversees health, education, labor, and pensions. It has bipartisan support. And if we can get the president pushing it as part of his domestic agenda and possibly framed as part of a broader health care reform agenda, you know, we see an opportunity there. And when you approach Congress on something like this, the, the cost-benefit analysis, is it actually less expensive to care for the, some of these folks at home than in these nursing facilities in the context of what you're trying to do? That's exactly right. We've got some good data from UCSF that has studied that issue, um, and it is more cost-effective to provide these supports in the community, in part because if you're living at home, you can take advantage of other natural supports in that environment right. that don't exist in nursing homes and other institutions. It's also a human rights issue. If you're living in an institution because there's no alternative for you, uh, you're more likely to be abused. You're more likely to be neglected. Your social world shrinks dramatically. It's very hard to work when you're living in a nursing home. So there are a lot of other corollaries where people who've spent time in nursing homes really feel like those years of their lives have been stolen. And what we're really trying to do is give people the freedom to have full lives in the community. So we see it as a civil rights issue too. And we think that um, President Obama understands that. Well, it's a fight well worth the fighting. So keep uh, Keep it up. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be back in just a minute with Andy Imperato and lots more on what the new year and the new administration mean for disabled Americans. We'll be right back after this short message. This is Ringler Radio. Legal information, trends, and topics from Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Wrangler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 140,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio. From Ringler Associates, placing more than $20 billion in structures over the past 30 years. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you could download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Ringler Radio. It's free. 
Did you know the number of listeners to Ringler Radio doubled in 2008? Thanks to our loyal listeners and welcome to all our new listeners as well. This is Ringler Radio, celebrating three years on the Legal Talk Network with topics important to the legal community. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and I'm certainly glad you joined us again today. We're talking with attorney Andy Imperato, the president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities. Andy, you know, it's very interesting for those of us that are not disabled. And it's like someone once mentioned to me, until you buy a Volvo, you don't notice the Volvos on the, on the street. But once you do, you spot them all. Same with disabilities. When, when your child has a problem, all of a sudden you become very focused on other children that have these same disabilities. For example, up at the ski mountain where we go to, they have a, a tremendous disabled program where they take the skiers out and the young kids uh, that have these issues. So there are, there's a lot going on. But the place that I, I, I see a lot of people uh, focusing on the Disabilities Act were some simple things, like when they took the curbings around the streets and, and made them so a wheelchair could go down. And someone once mentioned to me that, you know, it's amazing now that it's such a matter-of-fact thing to see that at one point we didn't have that, that you'd come to a curb and would be prevented from going places or upstairs. What government programs need to be updated or modernized in order to help the disabled as you, as you see it? Well, again, I mean, I, I would go back to the fact that our big programs still have kind of a poverty orientation. And I think if we can turn those programs around so that they have an investment orientation, and it's, a, it's about giving people the supports they need to go out and build their human capital, save money, participate in the workforce to their full potential, that kind of modernization would be very helpful. And the big programs for that are Medicaid, Medicare, Supplemental Security Income, and Social Security Disability Insurance. So in, es- in essence, you feel that with the ADA and how all that's done, you've taken care of some of the more you know, surface issues, and now you're really delving into the big picture items. That's right. The ADA ha- has made the biggest impact on what we think of as bricks and mortar issues. Exactly. You know, the built environment is so much more accessible now than it was in 1990 when the ADA was passed. And that benefits senior citizens. It benefits people pulling luggage. Yes, amazing. It, it yeah. benefits delivery people. There, there are, we as a society have come to expect universal design in certain settings. And that's a very positive impact. What it hasn't done is looked at our overall structure for providing supports for people with disabilities and pointed to ways that that structure needs to be basically reconfigured so that it supports equality of opportunity, economic self-sufficiency, independent living, and full participation, which were the four goals that Congress announced when they passed the ADA. And I assume you're trying most of all, to help end the correlation between the disabled and poverty. That's right. And people often ask me, you know, what's the big agenda for the disability movement? And I would say a good way to summarize it is we're trying to move more people with disabilities into the middle class. And that has been true of lots of other civil rights movements. Absolutely. When you have a critical mass in the middle class, that's when you know you start to have some economic power and political power. Well, of course, we're here at Ringler. What we do is structure settlements. I know you've been a big supporter and the organization has, but how can structured settlements ensure long-term economic stability for disabled folks? 
Well, again, I mean, one of the things that we like about structured settlements as a model that is an alternative to these public programs is you once you get a structure, you can go out and get a college degree, get a graduate degree, buy a house, buy a car, um, you know, participate in the workforce, and the supports from the structure don't go away. Right. That Those are the kind of supports that we want to create for people with disabilities, whether they got their disability in a way that had liability attached to it or not. So we feel the planning that you do as an industry is the kind of planning we want to see the government do with people with long-term disabilities and provide the kind of supports that your industry provides so that people can go out and add to them and not have disincentives from participating in the workforce. Well, you know, you've been a tremendous supporter of structured settlements, and and we understand, just like you've explained, that uh, to provide the economic certainty for these people who have these disabilities, to be able to get those funds and not dissipate them, or be able to get them and not outlive them, uh, is is a big plus for what the structured settlement is all about. And it's it's for people involved with the disability arena. That's really what structured settlements are really intended to do in the first place. Really help people of that. With, with those kinds of problems. So I'm very happy that you uh, were here and you got the check that you got today to help your organization. And we wish you the best of luck as you go through the maze of Congress trying to get that uh, legislation passed. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank again our guest, Andy Imperato. Uh, and should listeners want to reach you, Andy, how would they do that? Um, we have a national 800 number, which is one 800 8408844 and our website is aapd.com tremendous well in case any of you are first time listeners you should know that every ringler radio show including this one can be downloaded from our website ringlerassociates.com or from legaltalknetwork.com or you can even download it from the iTunes uh, arena on your computer andy it's fun you, you download it right into your iPod and you can go take a nice walk and listen on your little earphones to you and i talking on this on this show itself all right everyone else out there i want to thank you all for listening again i'm going to be leaving sunny newport beach in a few uh, hours but i'd like all of you in the meantime to go out and have a great day bye-bye thanks for listening to ringler radio ringler associates experience counts since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Prudential.